Father, I do trust that you're at work in us. Lord, in the good times and the bad, Father, help us to seek you. Help us to care for those who are in bad times. And Lord, if we're in a bad time, help us not envy those who are in a good time. Help us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Make us like Christ, Lord, as only you can, as only you have made it possible through the blood of your Son, through his sacrifice and the resurrection, Lord, we have the power of the Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit, the temple has come to dwell within us. And Lord, we can trust that your presence is only a call away. Help us to call out to you, Lord. I call out to you now, now, not by power nor by might, Lord, do I give this message, but by your spirit. Trust that in my weakness, Lord, you are strong and you will illuminate our minds and transform our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in Mark chapter 6, if you want to. Turn your Bibles there. And uh, of course, in the news lately is uh, has been Bruce Jenner, right? A.K.A. Caitlin. Um, read a couple articles about that. The one that that kind of interests me was this lady who was upset. Um, I don't, I don't. She didn't profess to be a Christian or anything. She just said, "Hey, I." I don't think that this image that he's portraying is really something everybody should be saying. He's so courageous, and he should get these awards and things. And she's saying, is that all a woman is? Is it the outward appearance of how she looks? I mean, and what about all the other things? You know, this guy doesn't have a monthly issue that he has to deal with. He, he, he doesn't bear any children. He doesn't have the hormones I do and, and all the other wonderful things and difficult things and and interesting things that make up a woman. Uh, I remember reading a book about, you know, the two brains, the brain of a man and the brain of a woman, how different they just see the world. And God in his wisdom has brought us together in marriage, even though there, there's always uh, that, that issue of sin and the conflict. But you can learn so much from each other because you see the world so differently. You know, and, and uh, you know, God bless Bruce Jenner, but he just, he, he's... He's believing something about the world. It's not true. It's just not true. And, uh, but his issue is the same as ours. It's sin. Sin blocks us. It blinds us to reality. And we, we like to make up our own reality. You know, we like to see the world the way we want to see it. And we tend to distort it. And uh, we have certain desires, right? And if we don't have a transcendent word that speaks above the desires of my heart or, or my experiences or the history or whatever it is, if there isn't a voice that, that stands stronger, then I'm going to be believing a lie, you know? And my, my emotions, my feelings can overwhelm me. And suddenly I, I think I'm something I'm not. But God is good. God is great and gracious and glorious that we've been speaking about. 
And He is, is the one who, who made us to, to have a relationship with Him. And we reject that. And, and we want to make our own way about it. You know, it goes all the way back to the garden. Eve sees the tree and, and uh, you know, God already gave the command, don't, don't touch it. No, no, no. Look, God, I can see. It's a delight to the eye. You know, the tree's desirable. It's actually going to make me wise. I'm going to be so much more wise. And then we decide for ourselves again, what is good, what is evil. And we get lost. But the Bible, you know, it, it, it gives us a worldview that is reality. And... Uh, and that's why we need the word in our lives to keep pouring that truth into our hearts so we begin to look at the world um, through cynical eyes, disbelief. You know, we see the temporary, we don't see the eternal. And we get, uh, we get confused. But the Bible isn't just a bunch of stories. You know, all these disconnected stories about how to be a nice little girl and a nice little boy. Or about all these different Bible heroes that aren't, so much heroes sometimes, but that you have to emulate this person. If you don't, then you suck, you know. <laughs> You're not like Daniel or one of these guys, you know. Um, but th that's not what it's about. You know, it's a story that's that's continuing. God creates and 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 the world, um, the humans that, that He creates in His image rebel, and and we see that that uh, we want to choose our own way. That's all there is to it. I just don't like your way, God. Why can't I make my own way? I mean, I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm good looking enough. You know, I, I have it all together. And yet, what do you have that wasn't given to you? You know, you, you couldn't control how much intelligence you do have. You couldn't control what you look like, where you were born, who you were born to, where you were born. None of that. And somehow you can determine how much intelligence you'll have, how much money, and all these other things, and think that by your own power you're able to get there. It's, it's, it's just not true. But Jesus comes, and he doesn't drop out of the sky out of no context whatsoever. No, there is a huge context to the story. Jesus is completing the story of Israel. He's the long-awaited Messiah to bring the promises of God to reality, to see it, right? John says that, what, that which we have seen with our eyes and touched with our hands, that's what, that which what our ears have heard. This we proclaim to you. God is real. God was here. He was among us. We saw his glory, glory of the one and only. So as I read through these accounts, how many have, have read these stories? I mean, they're very familiar, right? Feeding of the 5,000 and, and the walking on the water. You know, I think you have all read those if you haven't. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you should be reading through this Gospel of Mark because we're not going to be able to read every single verse, especially when you get these massive chunks of, of uh, you know, of reading. And, but it's narrative, so it's a little different in dealing with. But the more I read it, uh, um, you know, what came to mind to me was was who is this Jesus, you know? Hey, if everything else fails, just talk about Jesus, right? <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, who is he, though, right? You, you have these stories about him. I mean, Mark announces who he is, but then there's the confusion of the disciples who didn't really not see. He's the Son of God. He's, you know, right, the Isaiah is, is proclaiming his coming and all these things, and back uh, 500 years or so before, and, and he's a fulfillment of these things, but then you see him walking with the disciples and, and the crowd seeing him and, and not understanding who he is. He's, and, then, and then you see him... Uh, Going and, and calming the storm, and, and the disciples asked there too, who is this? Herod is asking, who is this? Oh, it's John the Baptist. He, he rose from the dead. And you have that whole story there. Oh, you have the townspeople where he's from, Nazareth. Oh, I know him. He's, he's the carpenter's kid. You know, who does he think he is? You know, who is this guy? And uh, so there's just three things that I wanted to, to highlight this morning of, of who he is, and, and but probably more implicit than explicit, except for I am. I am is very explicit in here, but Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the bread of life, and of course, he is the great I am. So let me describe to you the scene here, what's, what's kind of going on. Um, and notice that, that as we look at the story here, the feeding of the 5,000, as you has, have your heading there, Underneath begins at verse 30, that the section before that is about Herod, and, uh, and that, that little story kind of interrupts where the, the last verse of the, the previous part, where Jesus was telling the disciples to go out and, and, you know, don't take anything with you, and so on and so forth on this, on this missionary endeavor. Verse 13 says, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and, and healed them. And then jump to verse 30, it says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done. So what did all that they had done? Well, all that they had done is on verse 13. So these are all the things that they had done. So they're telling these things to Jesus, and, and Jesus is listening contently to them. But then he says, you know what, it's, he doesn't say this, but implicitly he's saying, it's wonderful, but let's, let's, uh, let's take some time away. You need some time with me. Come away by yourselves. Uh, to a desolate place and rest a while. So, so you need some rest now. Now that all this action has, has occurred, all, all this wonderful ministry has occurred, you need to come away and rest with me for a while. And, uh, and I, I can say a hearty amen to that because I know that when, when after I'm preaching or, or maybe if I'm witnessing to somebody, I just feel this, the sense of the, the Spirit has used me and, and to be moved to do His will. And afterwards, I do feel kind of an exhaustion, like spiritually kind of uh, empty in the sense that I'm just tired and, and needing to be filled up. And what do I need? Well, I need time with Jesus. And that's what he's doing for them in this verse as he calls them away. But it's not going to happen because just like they interrupted him uh, before when he was in his prayer time, uh, the crowd isn't going to let them have a prayer time. They, they crowd in on the situation here. Uh, the great crowd sees the, the boat coming, and we know who that is. Let's get over there and uh, meet him where he's going to get off. And so let me begin in verse 34 where it says here, When he went ashore, that's speaking of Jesus, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and began to teach them many things. So the crowd was in need of a, a shepherd, and, and, and the ultimate shepherd, the compassionate shepherd here is Jesus, who sees that need 
that they have. Even though maybe they don't see it. They just want things from him. But Jesus is that, that good shepherd. And one author asked this question that I'd like to just explore a little this morning. And, and it is basically, what do we learn about the sheep? What do we learn about sheep? And what do we learn about the shepherd? And in the biblical sense of, of uh, you know, sheep, of course, in the practical sense, they're, they're dependent animals, right? They don't do anything for themselves. And we hate to be compared to a sheep, but um, we are dependent, like I described before. There's a dependency there that you might deny, but it's there whether you like it or not. And sheep gets lost, right? They don't have any sense of direction. Think again in, in your own life. Where, where am I headed? Where am I going? What is the purpose of life? Again, you might be reminded of Bruce Jenner. This is who I am. Well, this is who I want to be, you know. And... Uh, and then you, then you end up following, the sheep end up following other sheep that they don't know where they're going either, <laughs> you know. They're just wandering, and we do the same thing in life. We, we tend to follow others rather than really trust in Christ. And, and also we, we can, like the sheep, resist God, especially resist Him in His discipline, right, in that He wants to tell us what to do. I don't like people telling me what to do, telling me what's good, what's bad for me. And so um, there's even some shepherds who would say that uh, at times the sheep, you even need to knock that thing down and tie it up and take it home, you know, reminiscent of the uh, Luke 15 where the lost sheep there, the shepherd goes after him and he has to take him down. He's all freaked out. And tie him up, put him on his back, take him home. You know, so that's, that's God coming in and having to, having to do something for us the grace of God, if it doesn't come in and open our eyes, we're doomed. The second question, what is the shepherd? Um, what do we learn about him? Well, we see his compassion there for the sheep. Uh, an actual shepherd, of course, sleeps with the sheep. He's with them all the time, watching over them. He protects them, provides for them. And, of course, he has to discipline them, too. Right? If they're going in the wrong direction, that's what the rod and the staff are for, that the... Uh, shepherd has but in the end he promises the sheep to bring him home to bring him to the place of forever peace and rest right that that psalm 23 is about jesus if you haven't memorized psalm 23 i would highly encourage you to memorize that psalm it's a beautiful psalm psalm that you can pray through ask god to be that shepherd the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that he, the Lord Jesus, fulfills that shepherd. And he looks out at the crowd. He knows what they need. They don't need more stuff. They need the wisdom of God. They need the, the, the truth of God to fill their heart. That the, They might know there's something beyond the temporal situation you're in. There's eternity. And this momentary trouble will soon pass. Trust me with your life, is what Jesus says here as he says, they are sheep without a shepherd if they could only embrace me as this shepherd. So then we have the, who is this? Well, it's, it's, it's Jesus, the good shepherd. And the second one I thought of as I read through this feeding of the 5,000 is the, uh, 
is the bread of life. Jesus is the provision for the sheep. He just doesn't provide for them. He is the sustenance in their lives. And, of course, you've read the story here. The, the disciples are telling Jesus, get rid of these people. You know, it's getting late. We don't have food for them. Tell them to move on, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, you give them something to eat. Gives them a challenge there. And, and they wait a minute, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. And, uh, and, of course, Jesus says, well, what do you got? Bring me what you got. Looks up to heaven, breaks the bread, gives thanks, Lord. Um, praise you, Lord, creator of heaven and earth, king of the universe, uh, who brings forth bread for those he has created, right? That's one of the, one of the prayers that was um, usually prayed by the Hebrews before they would eat. And Jesus maybe added to that, Lord, my father. And broke the bread, and then he multiplies it, and everybody has plenty, and they gather up 12 baskets full. And so, as the good shepherd here, Jesus fulfills, uh, I think, this role of, of Moses as he stood before the people, as they were grumbling, you know, they're, they're, or at least the disciples were grumbling about, well, maybe the people too, like, what are we going to eat now, you know? And... Uh, where are they going to get something to eat? Moses has to cry out to God, right? He's all stressed out and like, oh, man, what, what did you do to me, God, bringing me out of Egypt, you know? And, and here I'm supposed to feed all these. I don't have any food for these people. But Jesus is greater than Moses. He's not in a panic. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows where the provision is going to come from because he's the true bread that comes from heaven. He isn't just that little manna that came down to feed them for a time. He is the sustenance of life that will fill you at every moment of life. He is greater than Moses. And with him, you'll never be hungry. You'll never have a soul that is hungry. And you'll have provision, all you need. Isn't it interesting that after Jesus has done all these miraculous things, that, that the disciples still, they have like no clue. I mean, wouldn't you think, I, mean, I read the story and it's like, okay, you just raised a dead person, healed a guy, cast out a demon. You walked on the water. <laughs> or later he will. But he calmed the storm. And... Still, he's just like, I wonder where we're going to, hey, man, you know where we're going to get something? <laughs> no, I don't have a clue, man. You know, you think it would come to their minds, hey, how about this guy, you know, <laughs> this Jesus guy we've been following for a while. He might be able to do something here. Uh, but there's a mystery there, too. Something's going on. And we'll find out later that there's a hardness of the heart that's in the disciples. And an unwillingness to see the greatness of God. They're unable to see that Jesus is that bread of life. John chapter 6, of course, uh, hashes that out a little more. And, and the crowd doesn't like it, but Jesus thinks he's that. He thinks he is the sustenance of life. How can you say that? But he is. But we don't see it. Maybe we look at the disciples like, well, how couldn't you see? You were right there with him, walking with him. And that's where I, I think it's so important to remember that, that if God were to give you a miracle, that doesn't mean that's going to sustain you for your life, you know? I mean, look at the children of Israel. Over and over again, these miraculous things happened. And yet they still were in unbelief, still with a hard heart. Even the disciples here. 
But Jesus is much more than that, as we're going to see in the next story, too, as we move on to the walking on the water. He's much more than uh, a provider and the provision. He is the great I am. I have time to read through this real quick. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them about the fourth hour, or the fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 to 6 a.m. He came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts hardened. See, they didn't understand about the loaves. They didn't understand that he is the bread of life. Their hearts were hardened. And here he comes walking on the water. One commentator says that the centerpiece of this is that walking on the water, but also that this, this passing by. Isn't that strange that he's walking on the water, he's just kind of cruising by the boat. There's the boat. I'm just going to walk on by the boat. And they're freaking out, you know, rowing. And it is an image that I think Mark is trying to show us from the Old Testament. Again, it's not a disconnected story. It's connected to the Old Testament. Disciples should know it well, that God alone can walk on the water. Job 9, verse 8 and 11, God alone stretches out the heavens and treads the waves of the sea. He, pass, he passes me. I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. Is that passing by? Job can't see the figure of God, but here the disciples do. And they think it's a phantasma in the, in the Greek, a, a ghost, right? It's, it's not like it's normal, like back then in the superstition ti- superstitious times, they, everybody saw ghosts all the time. No, <laughs> that's not true. They, they were terrified of what they saw. A man walking on the water who, well, how can somebody walk on water? It's got to be a ghost, right? And... Uh, Again, you could, you could look back, um, meditate on that Exodus 33 where Moses there asked God, let me see your glory, God. And God says, you can't, you can't see my glory. So I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll carve out a little piece in the rock here. I'll put you in there. I'll put my hand over it. I'll pass by. And all, all that you see is my backside because that's all you can handle, Moses. If I let you see me face to face, you'd be gone. You couldn't handle it. So the glory of God, His majesty, His splendor. He's clothed in a garment of light. Jesus says, take heart, it is I. He's saying more than that. The Greek says, ego, emi. The same words used in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses is asking God, who shall I say has sent me? And He says, I am. I am, has sent you, Moses. You see, the disciples saw the miracles, but for some reason they they just didn't seem to make the connection, like I said before. 
to Moses to the bread of heaven that he is he is the the psalm the the shepherd of psalm 23 he is the bread of life to them but mark says here again as we read that their hearts were hardened the last time he he said that somebody's heart was hardened it was the pharisees he was talking about here he's talking about the disciples even their hearts are hard and they don't see it But later they will realize it, as I told you, quoted from John, First John, that uh, and, in, and in John it says, we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only. That he is, he, he was, he is, and he ever shall be the great I am. So what are these stories even beyond the, the figures of, of the shepherd and, and the bread and, and the great I am. What are they teaching us about faith? I, get, I agree with this commentator. Here's what he says. Faith is not an inevitable result of knowing Jesus or even being with Jesus. You can know Jesus, you know who he is, right? The demons know and they shudder. You can be with him. Judas was with Jesus. Yet he was a betrayer. Faith is not something that happens automatically or evolves inevitably. It is a personal decision or choice. Personal decision, choice. In the Gospel of Mark, it is... More often than not, a decision made to be made that must be made in the face of struggle and tremendous fear. Tremendous fear. Discipleship is more endangered by lack of faith, hardness of heart, than by external danger. Things can be going wrong in your life, but that's not what's going to take your faith. It's the choice that you make at that time. What am I going to do with this faith? Am I going to trust God in the midst of the storm? Am I going to believe that he is who he says he is and he has a better way for my life? Or am I going to let the world dictate? what my future is, what my purpose in life is. Will I not stop and, and look at the greatness of Christ, at his glory displayed for us? And again, I, I think that's why, um, you know, Jesus isn't here with us today. We need the spirit. You know, he was there with the disciples, and yet, you know, it's like... Uh, it's like a kid who you do something for, and they're like, do it again, do it again, you know? And we're asking God in our lives, oh, well, you did it then, God, do it again for me. Because I'm, I'm in trouble. I want you to fix this situation. I want you to fix it now. Will we trust him through that? Will we pray? You know, God listens, God hears. But will we trust him? Will we know that he does in, in that moment of crisis love us? So here's what I'd like to leave you with. 
to think about and pray about? Do you see faith as something that just happens to you? Or do you see in these stories that people must choose to believe in the midst of great struggle and great fear? Faith isn't something that happens to you. You have to choose it. You have to choose to read the word to get in, get it into your heart, get it into your mind as the word transforms the mind. It is more able to receive from God. The spirit who transforms the heart of man and changing the, the spirit changes the desires of man's heart so that he might turn you back to him and his purposes for your life. When the struggles come for me, I, I need to offer myself up to God. Say, God, you, you made me, you've called me to be here, to do these things. Sometimes I think, why did God call me to these things? You know, um, I was doing... I was doing all right over at Bashes, you know, making pretty good money and everything else. And brought me out of that, and and then life got really difficult <laughs> because it just seemed like the storms were hitting at the time. And you hit a good time and a bad time. But then, yeah, I look back and 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 just think, wow, you know. God definitely is strong in my weakness because I, I, I do sense, I don't know why God made me this way, but I always, I always sense my weakness more than I sense my strength. Some people just, they just, hey, this is what I do, and I'm good at it, so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I look at some, some people look at something, and they say, I could do that. Show them something. Oh, I could do that, too. You know, whatever it is, show them you can do it. You know. I look at it and say, I'd never do that. You know, <laughs> you know I could never do that, either. <laughs> and uh, so it's God's the one who, you know, Gives me the strength, gives me the wisdom. You know, I'm not a super organized guy like Chris. He's a super organized guy. I'm not a musician like Josue over here, but I think I do sing a little better than him. At least in the shower I do, you know. <laughs> but uh, plus they're, they're not as good looking as I am. So, you know. And I'm old and I still look better. No. <laughs> but... Uh, no, but I, I really do. I, mean, I struggled with this, this whole sermon. I really did. I, I felt this, um, just like, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what to say to you about it, you know. Sometimes you think you're saying the same thing, but many times, though, that's the way it is. I mean, that's the way the Hebrews taught. They repeated things over and over again all the time because you just don't remember. You forget, and that's the whole reason for memorization and, and uh so you need that word in you. You know, I've challenged myself to memorize the the history of redemption. Uh, if you ever listen to Luke do that on on the on the online, I'm I'm doing that myself, and it's a challenge, man. <laughs> you know, I get up to do it, and and I want to find an excuse not to, you know, uh, because it's it is it's a lot of work, but. Um, but I remember what David said. You know, I, I don't want to offer to God something that didn't cost me. So what are you offering to God? Are you putting a little token in? 
Are you offering him yourself? You know, I was speaking to a guy yesterday, I think it was yesterday, that he's retired, and he's like, there's, there's nothing to do. Oh, yeah, sure, I got a couple gifts that God gave me. I can play the guitar and do this. But there's nothing to do. My wife died, and uh, I died and came back, and I wish I stayed over there, you know. And it's like, dude, you're really depressing me, <laughs> you know. It was a sad story, and I'm trying to tell him, no, man, you're alive, man. God has you here for a reason. That this life is in preparation for the life to come so you can enjoy God more now so that you will enjoy Him even more exponentially when you get there. Don't say, ah, oh, life sucks here. and Hopefully, you know, I'll be dead soon. <laughs> it's a terrible way to look at life. You're on mission for God to believe that He is changing us and has us here as the light of the world. To be faithful. So the real enemy of faith isn't circumstance. It is our refusal to believe in God for who he said he is. The shepherd, the bread of life, the great and majestic I am. Will you trust him today? Will you offer him more than just a little bit of your life? Offer all of your life to him. Let's pray. Even in the joys of life, Lord, you would remind us, God, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And that, Lord, we should be mindful of those who are hurting, those who are suffering, that we should pray for them, God. I do pray for the persecuted, for the sick, for the lonely, for the poor, for the hungry, for the thirsty, Lord, that they would find their sustenance in you. And that the church, God, would be a light into this world that would meet those needs wherever possible to meet them, God. And that you would be glorified through it. God, forgive us. that we don't truly offer ourselves to you. But help us to believe today, Lord, that as we do, you will do greater things in us than we could ever have believed or imagined. God, help us to know and trust and believe that with you, God, are the riches of heaven, that we're not stuck in this temporal world, but we can look beyond to the greatest hope that is in Christ, to love him, to trust him, to love one another, God, as a community here of faith, to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to pray with one another, God. Teach us how, how to put our faith in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.